Welcome to the Infernal Schoolhouse Podcast, Explosions and Fire. I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're going to be talking about creating effective and fun character backstories in D&D. We'll be covering some tips to make this a fun and effective process, and also some pitfalls that may actually be a drag on your party and on your game. And this week, we're excited to welcome back our good friend, Emmy Watkins, aka, aka Emmy the Odd. Welcome back to the show, Emmy. Thank you guys so much for having me again. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so fun and one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yay! So excited. So the way I'd like to structure this is that I'll ask y'all some questions. The two of you just sit back and drop your knowledge on us. How's that sound? Sounds great. Absolutely. Amazing. So to start off the conversation, I'm wondering, I'd love to hear from the two of you can you talk about the first character that you remember creating? Well, I can. Absolutely. I remember it fairly distinctly. It was because I picked up D&D in college and it was 3.5 at that point. And I knew very little about it. I'd have had friends who had played it, uh, but I didn't really truly understand what it was until I was sat down with the book. And I remember I immediately wanted to play a rogue because I wanted all the skills. I wanted to have every single skill you could possibly have. And in 3.5, you want to be a rogue if you want to be all the skills. And <laughs> and I had played RPGs like Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind and things like that. And I'd always enjoyed sneaking. So I thought, okay, rogue, this sounds great. And then because I was... I, I guess was it am still a little bit edgy immediately. I was like, oh, tieflings. <laughs> they were saying they were like, hey, maybe you enjoy tieflings. And I was like, you're right. I would as an accurate assessment of me as a person. Uh, so I was a tiefling rogue. And I don't recall too much about what that care. It was. I still didn't really like understand all of the storytelling aspects. So I didn't think too much about where that person had come from. I, I want to say there was something about like being kicked out after being born a tiefling or something, but I, I, I don't think that that's all that solid. I think it was kind of like, and then I didn't really have a home and lived orphan life and snuck around and stole things a bunch. And do you recall, did that, did that work out? Like, did that backstory actually help or hinder the, the gameplay? In that particular game, it didn't really go all that far, to be perfectly honest with you. It was more tutorial level. And it was just, I, I guess I got really stuck in, like, the semantics of the game, like the, the rolling of the dice and the, everything like that. And I didn't really truly understand how much you could do with an actual backstory yet. I was just so wee and young to the sport. And so it, I guess it worked in a sense that it was there, but now I, I'm, I'm so addicted to backstory telling that I'm like, Oh, Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what I was missing. I was so young back then. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to hear that. But Aaron, I'm curious for you. What's the first character you recall creating a backstory for? So my first character, which I don't remember his name, but it was also 3.5 when I started and I did end up choosing a human paladin, as is tradition for <laughs> the pick. And he was a really great sort of thing to work into because paladins are a lot more complex, I think, from a backstory standpoint that people think of. 
it's actually pretty difficult because you have to come up with the idea about why you're a paladin. What are you doing with it? What are you seeking? And I remember the thing I wanted the most while making it was a holy avenger and not knowing that the sword took forever to get, you know, so it's just like, oh man, I can't wait. Then I'm like, oh, I'm level one. I might live to the next session. We'll see how it goes. But I love that character and I love building out his backstory. And I think in I guess in the vein of Baldur's Gate 3 that we were just talking about, but there's a paladin Baldur's Gate 2, Kelborn, which is very similar to my paladin, I think. You know, just very staunch, but also sort of, I don't know, charismatic, because they have to be charismatic as paladins. And I almost like imagine paladins at that time of that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where Lancelot comes into the wedding and just slashing everybody for like no reason and just trying to save them from each other. <laughs> Why am I not shocked that Paladin was your first character? <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> so good. And so now that you've got all this time under your belt creating characters, I'm wondering if you each could share what you think makes an effective or a helpful character backstory and any examples that you feel that you've maybe got to share with us. Sure. I mean... For me, a helpful character backstory is something that is going to give you the ability to inhabit that character, something that gives you the ability to feel like you can step into their shoes really, really easily and you're not scrambling for details, which can just slow down gameplay, at least for me at the very least, if I'm unable to improvise at a certain point or I'm having to improvise, it might be slower than if I can just remember what I wrote. It can facilitate the story easier with the game master, the storyteller, the dungeon master, just because they knew they know who you are. They know where you've come from and they can potentially integrate that in uh, a little bit. And also vice in vice versa, you can make sure that you are being there to help the storyteller facilitate what they're trying to do, that you can be integrated fully. And for me, that's just it's easier with a little bit of that prep work done. It doesn't make you feel like you're an alien that just landed in a game. It's like, well, I was born yesterday and I know absolutely <laughs> nothing that's going on and I'm here now, which like was it. sort of how that first character was, was like, it's a little bit of backstory, but mostly I just got here, I guess. So here we are. <laughs> I, I'm new here. This is my sword. Yep. <laughs> and what about you, when I think about backstories, I think about a lot of things in mind. And a part of that is because I am the forever DM. But uh, for one, it's kind of actor's notes for me as a player, if I'm making one, because I want to know kind of what my motivation is, why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm acting the way I'm acting, even if it's silly characters like Fabio the Quaffed. But I want to have that in there where that's something I can kind of roll with, motivate with, understand how I would respond to things, no matter what game we're playing, you know. But from a DM standpoint, I like the facilitation of somebody telling me what they're wanting to do so that way I can incorporate it into the story and I can make those callbacks. And I think that it makes a richer experience for you as a player the more you put into it, you know, like David, who's been on the podcast, makes great backstories. And I always reward that by putting stuff from his backstories into the story. So that way he feels like he's more engaged with it. And players who don't put much in, I don't put much in for them. It's this kind of a tit for tat sort of thing. But 
I think also it gives you a little bit of relatability to other players. If you can kind of draw upon those actors notes, essentially, and be able to have that interaction of, from a truly genuine character. I, like I have players now who are seasoned, who are still like, I don't know what I would say right now. I'm like, how don't you know what you would say right now? Like just draw upon your backstory. How, what do you feel? What's your demeanor? Like, does this bother you? Does it make you happy? Are you nonplussed? Whatever it is. And I think backstories give you that. And can you all think of uh, specific examples, either from characters you've created or games you've uh, DM'd where this, like really, you were able to cash this in this rich backstory. Yeah. I, I know I can. I, I have spent a lot of time very much trying to figure out my process for how this works because like I was saying a little bit earlier about helping it and like you were saying too about actors notes there and I I am not super quick on my feet if I don't know where I am. If I know where I am, I can improvise, but if I don't know who I am, I very similar I don't always necessarily know what I'm going to say and so I don't like to stop the game. I like it to keep moving. I want to be moving. So I want to make sure that I feel really, really grounded in this. And I I feel like I, I finally found kind of this approach for it. And I had the last time I did a home game was the first time that I was like, I think I've got this. I think I've got this figured out. I know who this character is. And it was a fighter that I had built and still have an incredibly soft place in my heart for. And she had, I had, massive amounts of notes for her just just for me just so I could kind of like know and I didn't really look at them anymore but I had written them down and in the process of writing them down meant that I knew that information I knew about the city she grew up in I knew about all of her family and her friends and the people that she had been with right before she got to be in the party that she was in and I the big thing for me that was always a fun one to deal with with her and in working with the other players was after going through all that, I discovered that everyone that she knew that had had a moral compass, like these are the morals of your society. She was she'd left her people. She was no longer with her people anymore. She, all of her friends were either gone or had left and she wasn't really with anyone anymore. And so she didn't have like a this is a right or a wrong button anymore and she was trying to relearn morality essentially she'd left a cult it was a whole thing and so that was the thing i was able then to consistently lean on the other players with which was in turn turned into a fun thing for them to interact with with me was me to be like hey do you want me to do this thing i don't know what you want me to do i just need you to tell me what to do right now I I don't understand where I am and I'm very lost and confused, but because I had even just given myself even a lack of like, again, that a lack of a base almost made it. So I then had to improvise off of what the other players were doing, which was so fun because they would just start doing something. And like, okay, well, here we go. Yeah, that's cool. I like this idea that they maybe have to teach you, and I can I can just see how fun that would be too. Like, oh god, don't don't kill this person. Like, it, that did happen. <laughs> don't, once. don't do that. <laughs> I did. I did because I was a fighter, and I was a pretty brutal fighter in that. That did happen one time where I'd like grabbed a guy. I was like, "Do you want me to kill this guy? I genuinely don't know what you want me to do." Right now is that the right thing to do someone help me please <laughs> and, but that was again that's also the other fun thing that a good backstory can do is it gives the other players something that's fun to interact with it doesn't necessarily make you feel like all of the attention is on you 
but they get to do this kind of fun thing with you because then at that point they have to ask these questions about, okay, so now what's your morality? What is these other characters' moral compasses? Because now yeah. they have to actually answer that question too. And so it got to be interactive, which is also, I think, an important thing that a backstory will let you do is interact with everyone just a little bit easier. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, so me, you want, you want to know what I like? You want to know about so I'll give you one of my player characters and not one of my players. So I did in one recently that was just, I showed up for a couple of sessions for somebody else's campaign. And one of my other loves, which is the exact opposite of a paladin, are playing warlocks. Those are just one of my absolute passions. I don't know why everybody nags on Eldritch Blast, but I think they're great. So I was playing a Hexblade Pact Warlock. And essentially, I was somebody who was in the Shadowfell for a long time and kind of abused and going through a lot of trauma. And he came back and he was essentially like, I don't know, I guess, wielding the power of the Upside Down. And I, I wouldn't call him Edge Lordy, but he was certainly dark. And so the way he got introduced into the campaign was that the party found somebody in a sarcophagus, had no idea what it was. And then my character came out and they were like, oh, my God, what? why is this guy in the sarcophagus? And so now you have a character who has a pretty crazy backstory. It's not just like, well, I grew up milking cows and then I went to town and, you know, goblins slaughtered the family. It's like, no, this guy is <laughs> Living in the shadow fell. He is literal darkness and not in the sense like, like Batman, like I oh, in the dark, but like just weird stuff where it's like, it's, it's fun. It makes it interesting. And like Emmy saying, you can have conversations start, which I think are important. There's a lot of players who I think need a little bit of help getting pulled out of their shell when it comes to moving away from being just the standard introvert, we're like, hey, okay, let's have a conversation. I'm safe. Let's have a fun thing. I'm thinking about this. I'm engaging with it. And that's why I like those kinds of backstories where it's like, I like to pick stuff that I know people will engage with, not just stuff that I want to play, which is also part of it. But also the other part is finding something that I know the other players will like. I like this. This is cool. Yeah. And so I guess this leads me to my next question, which is, what are some common pitfalls of character creation? Or even more explicitly, what are some mistakes that people make when they're creating characters? And Aaron, I think you very strongly alluded to a big one for me, which is just, it, this isn't just in general as a player or a DM, it's this idea of like, this isn't fun. But like <laughs> what you're saying right now, we're doing right now, it's just, it's not doing anything for me. Like maybe you think this is the coolest thing in the world, but it's like dragging me down. Yeah, I think working in a vacuum can be one of the biggest pitfalls. Not telling the DM what you're going to do with this, I think, is like the number one. It seems like it would be obvious, but I know I've been in multiple games where I've had the DM later be like, that was and not not for I have never done this very gratefully. I will say I've come close to it, but I, I never have. Very grateful, I think, because I saw it happen first. I was like, oh, that was not great. Where <laughs> they just improvised like, oh, well, I know this person. It was like, or I know this detail. I know I know this in super secret, powerful information. Like, Or wow, here's this very, very bizarre and specific facet of my backstory that I'm just going to, and I, I'm going to make up something that's not just deeply affecting of me and my character, but something that affects the entire world. There's actually a secret society that's going about doing something. And I did not tell the DM that because that's a, that's a big world thing. And that hits a point where it's not, it's not interactive anymore. You've just kind of taken part of the world from the DM and the DM is 
the world to a degree. Like, I know that the joke running being that, like, the DM is God. I've always preferred to think of the DM as the world, mm-hmm. that the DM is is all of those things. And it, that that's 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 their world <laughs> now that you can't operate like that anymore can be a, a big one. Main characteritis like is a real problem because the nice thing about TTRPGs is that you're all main characters to a degree. And at some point your backstory is maybe going to shine a little bit brighter than someone else's, but everyone is going to have to interact with it and be a part of that. And so you want to create something that everyone can exist and have fun playing with. If it's just about how you're the savior that everyone is looking for, that's, it gets a little, again, it's not fun. I know I'm absolutely that player that writes a tremendously huge backstory and it's real goofy and silly, but I do that more so I can improvise and less so because I want everything in the story to be about me. And that can, I think, be the toxic side of that coin, which is I wrote a thousand years worth of backstory because I expect this entire campaign to be about me. Gets rough. It's not so fun. Yeah. I would agree. And I think that um, talking about your main point is that, you know, putting in those things that have not been discussed with a DM, I think that um, to me, one of the toxic traits that's the most toxic is not doing enough for your backstory or doing nothing, mm-hmm. right? Where it's just like, I want to do algebra on paper. And that's what you think D&D is, but you don't actually want to flesh out the backstory part, the demeanor part. What's my flaw part? Nobody wants to do that well not nobody there are plenty of us that don't want to do that but when you have a player that does that it's it's very difficult because they'll either say oh well i forgot to tell you about x i'm actually you know i have the magical milk bucket of saviors or whatever it is or or they just they they draw blank because that's literally all they wrote in the paper was blank right they have nothing but i think that emmy's point about long backstories i think those are great i think that the the toxicity comes from a self standpoint where Mm -hmm. if you're expecting your long drawn out backstory to come into the story and then you're disappointed later that's kind of on you you have to understand that the dm can't bring in all of that and they can bring in some of it but that's for you that backstory is for you i will enjoy reading it i I have plenty of players who write a bunch and i love reading every single word they write but not every single word of that is going to make it into the game, right? And that's why it is for you. It is for you to make your character live and breathe and be fun with the other players. Sure. I was expecting you guys to say, we you didn't touch on it, but the something that I witnessed in games I played, the overly dark backstory. Uh, yeah. My family was all killed and I'll kill any ex that I see on site or I steal everything. And so I'm probably going to steal from all the other player characters because that's just what my character would do. Oh, well, I, that's just what my character would do is such a, Oh God. <laughs> oh, the toxicity that is just baked into that sentence. Like you have to remember at some point that this is a game that all of us are playing together. And like, it's fun to bring a character that has done something that they are not proud of or something that is, maybe considered bad or unpleasant or and i've definitely done brought darker characters but alternatively you this is still a person who's going to have to work with everybody else even if it's a thing that they have to learn to do they have to at some point work with everyone else it's a cooperative game 
So if there's someone that's unpleasant, like 100% completely irredeemable and unpleasant to be around, then they are 100% completely irredeemable and unpleasant to be around. No one wants to do that. Agreed. So, yeah. Like, I yeah. I don't know that darkness makes that though. This is like when we talked last week about on our metal podcast about darkness, I don't think darkness creates toxic players i think it's if they try and transition it into what the potter does like at every moment right where that gets exhausting but players of the light good players are just as obnoxious as dark players you have to find <laughs> that balance where it's like like you could have like the prince charming sort of thing where it's like haha i will save the day and like no please don't we're just we're just scoping out the grounds we're good you know <laughs> like it doesn't have to be that <laughs> mm hmm Mm -hmm, mm hmm. Yeah, you can't also then, yeah, get to, you, again, you, no matter what, you just can't pull too hard, mm -hmm. I would say is the big one. Like at some point, if you're pulling other characters into doing things that they're not comfortable or having fun doing, then that's, that's not fun. And if you're spending all of your time, like, I know we talked about this a little bit last time I was on the, like some amount of conflict between characters is fun. Like it can just be within a certain amount of parameters fun. But if it's becoming real, if it's becoming, again, because your character is either like trying really hard to police everybody else's characters. I've been in, I've been in campaigns where both of these things have happened or mm -hmm. alternatively, your character is just not a nice person in any way is, is not fun. It's just not fun. And I, I can see where, if it's way too if your backstory is so dark that it's unpleasant to interact with then it if and completely unpleasant to interact with that's that, that can be ishy but that again that usually comes back to you've probably made a jerk and eh. well <laughs> i think about that like one of my last characters and i know you were there for this session brian in call of cthulhu when i was playing my character henry blatt who was a former sailor in the navy and his backstory was super dark i don't know if you remember his backstory but essentially he fell in love with his commanding officer on the uss maine and then it exploded and it killed his commanding officer and he had like a piece of shrapnel stuck in his face or whatever it was just something really dark and edgy that's <laughs> pretty dark <laughs> i know right but the thing is like even though it was a dark story it's a dark game okay it's call of cthulhu it's call of cthulhu right? <laughs> but whenever we were playing it, I remember we had like this natural antagonism with with David and how funny that was. It wasn't it wasn't even like, you know, like stirring the pot sort of thing. It was just it was funny because, you know, he was a doctor and we had the whole session where we decided how we're going to have our connections from a role playing backstory standpoint. And somehow I had a connection with him and it wasn't a great connection. It was just a an antagonistic one and that's where i think it gets fun right where emmy's talking about having those moments of you know antagonism in a game i really enjoyed that and i think that was one of the bigger points where people walked away from not necessarily talking about the weird ghoulish horrors in the morgue while the lights are going out but about this weird angry dynamic between these two characters that was pretty hilarious in a campaign that i'm in currently the dm said said it this way and it, and it really struck a chord with me if what if the character's action is annoying your character that's good if the character character's action is annoying you the player then that's probably bad and i think there's yeah. a key distinction and aaron you and david had that you guys were laughing as you were really antagonizing each other in the game and that was super fun yeah 
Yeah, that's typically when it's good. That's usually how it happens is at the end. You do think it's funny, like mm -hmm. for sure. And yeah, I know I talked about it a little bit last time about my palate, the paladin and the warlock in my in uh, one of our longer term campaigns where we just we couldn't get along. And it was funny because we at the end of the day, we did get along or that that same fighter I was talking about, like was like, you know, not a great person when in the cult and had done some darker stuff. But alternatively, I don't know. She was also kind of funny. She <laughs> she didn't understand anything that was going on. She really liked small animals and kids. I don't know. She was just kind of weird. But like, it, yeah, it's fun to interact with at the same point, though. Like those dark things didn't make her an unpleasant person. Like it wasn't like she was trying to be mean or cruel. So it, yeah, you gotta make friends. It's one of the best parts yeah. of TTRPGs. You're making friends with your friends again. If you think about the most memorable or one of the most memorable characters from the D and D movie is the barbarian. Was it Hulda? I forgot what her name is. Uh -huh. but she's super dark, but also she's super sweet and endearing and fun. And that's such a great character, but that's, that's what a good dark character is where it's like, Hey, here's a lot of weird stuff going on and very aggressive, but also, Man, I'm gonna walk away thinking this is like the best character in the whole movie. Like I know. She just is she just yeah. really likes soft guys who will paint her <laughs> shutters for her. That's all she really wants, <laughs> man. Well, and I do think in in narrative in general, one of the most gratifying components can be the idea of redemption. Mm -hmm. And you can't be redeemed unless you've done something dastardly. And so I do think that the those darker backstories can be really important narratively mm -hmm. and yeah. functionally in the game. Yes. So turning the corner here, I know both of you ha have uh, significant DM experience. We've been talking about PC character creation. Talk mm. to me about NPC uh, backstories and how you think about that. And is that the same conversation or is that maybe a little bit of different conversation in your minds? Hmm. You know, at the very least in my experience, it, it is at the very end that maybe this is because I spent so long as a player. I was a forever player for a very long time. So maybe it's because I spent so much time doing player characters first. It does feel not dissimilar because at some point they do have to provide a very similar amount of function. They have to provide something interesting that people need to know. They need to have knowledge that the player characters do know and don't know. I need, I, I don't feel like they usually get, Unless they're an incredibly important NPC, as much backstory as usually my player characters do, because they're not going to leave usually where they are to a degree. They may go with you for a little bit, but they're not going to continue on with you long term, generally speaking. But yeah, the, the main thing that I do think that I do for both player characters and NPCs is what are they presenting and what are they not presenting? What do they know that they aren't telling you and what are they going to tell you? Oh, I love I love that. It's the text and the subtext. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So and how much are you going to be able to figure out? What do they need? I think is again, it's a thing that I ask of both of them is what do they need in this situation and how does that continue to progress what's going to happen next nice yeah and also i'm a big fan of what can i i'm a big fan of trying to figure out what i can do to get other people interested like that's a thing that's very important to me from both ends is how can i make everyone else at the table think what on earth is that 
<laughs> how can I interact with that? My character is going to be so weird interacting with that thing. That brings me immense amounts of joy. <laughs> yeah. And again, you're, you're introducing this idea of uh, interaction and understanding that your, your backstories and your characters are going to be prompting other characters, which I think is uh, one of the secret ingredients that we're, at least I'm discovering here during this conversation. Completely agree. Yeah, yeah. it's the, the old phrase of like, you know, if you wanted to write a book, you could write a book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, for my NPCs, I guess for the big heavies, I always make them like I'm making a player character for sure, especially with a backstory standpoint. And I would tell this to anybody who's going to be a DM. I always make my big heavy NPCs as though the players are going to attack them and I fill out their whole character sheet, not ever thinking it's going to happen, but just so we know that it's there, right? When I get to the mid or lower tier NPCs, that's when I let the players fill in the blanks. I will have an actual framework for what I think this character is, what their motivations are, and then I change it based upon how the players interact with them. And I, I don't want to give too much away because I'm running a West Marches game right now, but I do have a player in one of the or NPC in one of the towns, which I have actually changed based upon how the players have tried interacting with this NPC and not in a drastic way, but enough where it's actually given it more flavor where now this is exciting. Now it's kind of a more higher tier NPC because the players made it that way. Mm. I am the world as it is. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I like that. And again, I think there's that really strong sense of uh, interaction or, or even reaction on part of the DM to, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the old joke for me is like, you know, you put the really important NPC in the tavern and your players are just obsessing about some goblin in the corner that you just sort of made up ad hoc. And it's like, okay, well, now the real opportunity is to make that goblin into something. Even though that, there was no plan there, but they're just loving that guy. So what's his name? Like, let's put him in the pot. Like, let's put him as, as a main character now. Yeah. Yeah, well, because now they've interacted with them. Now they know. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know, cool. Aaron, there's something you said that I remember. I think that's very wise. I remember I was watching something about, it was a documentary about the direction and the programming that had to go into Fallout 3. Mm. And I, if for folks who have not played the game, there's a bit in the beginning where the tutorial level basically takes you through your childhood as you are interacting in a vault underground with your father. And there's a scene where he, to, to teach you the combat of the way combat works in the game, he gives you a BB gun and informs you to shoot like a bug or something. And in the programming they had to program in and record lines for if you turn around and shoot your dad there's programming for that it exists it's there you cannot <laughs> kill him because that would be ridiculous but and also you know maybe a little bit too dark but like alternatively it had to be there because at some point you don't necessarily know how your players are going to interact with anything you give them mm -hmm. they it turns out that this might they might get into an argument with this npc they might may become bitter enemies they might be best friends they might go on an adventure with them at some point being prepared to have them move is i think that's very wise yeah, I, I think like, especially Fallout 3 is a great example. I don't want to bring necessarily the term murder hobos into this, but kind of is, right? Fallout 3, you can easily just 
kill a very important NPC and that's just the end of that NPC, right? You don't know their story. You don't know where it goes from there. You lose quests. It'll tell you, oh, this quest has been completed because you just murdered this person, right? That's what, <laughs> that's kind of what D&D is where it's like, you can just have a shop owner who means nothing, right? But the more that the players invest into it, the more valuable that shop owner becomes. It's the same thing with a game like Fallout 3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so my next question, and I think this is interesting that you brought Fallout 3 into it, but I'm wondering if if you guys can kind of talk to me about character backstories in fiction, in literature, in video games, and movies that really stand out to you. And maybe that can help sort of conjure in my mind some fertile ground for backstory creation. But before I'm giving you carte blanche here. Go ahead. Both answer. How cliche do you want these answers to be? Oh, it's up to you completely. It could be, it could be, you know, the most mainstream thing in the world. Things that you think about when you're just like, that is a great backstory, like hook or trope or something that's just really, really engaging. And I mean, I can see your mind is just like racing right now. I'm excited. I I know exactly what I'm going to (laughs) say. It's, it is, it is a little bit cliche, but I, Batman. Mm. Like dark, dark backstory. (laughs) Yeah. But like, it's so good. It gives you so much. Like there's a reason that you keep seeing the Batman backstory get retold over and over and over and over again, I think is because it's got so much of a core reasoning for why this person is the way that they are. I, I mean, that was the joke was my paladin was originally how would I do a D&D Batman? So that joke, even though at the end of the day, that character looks significantly different from Batman. There's a reason I kind of looked there for inspiration at the initial creation of that character, because it's got where they came from, what their societal structure, what their financial structure, power level structure was within society, what the relationship to their family was, what their moral structure is like, what they need to continue forward with what they do, how they receive the training that they are then able to exist within the world with. It's got, again, a very, and a bunch of set events that are important these, this set event was pivotal in the way that I perceive the world. Mm. Yeah, and in, in that case specifically, it very strongly allows you to connect back with the behavior, right? Because you're thinking yep. like, okay, who would really go to all this trouble? Well, if you actually have that experience, you just might. You just might. If you had money and you had a lot of anger, what would you do? <laughs> You might do something kind of silly. 100%. Yeah, that's a great so. one. That's a great one. What about one from your end? So I will give two, and I promise it won't take too long. On them. But the first one is the most cliche possible, and I apologize in advance. But I'm going to say Luke Skywalker, okay? Because it has the hero's call to action. It has this very boring character that anybody can insert themselves into, right? He grows up in a moisture farm, whatever that is in Tunisia or wherever. Sorry, Tatooine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's very boring. You know, he has he lives with his aunt and uncle until one day they get some random droids that they buy from the people who steal other droids. And then it turns into, well, now everybody's dead. I got to go join this massive galactic battle. And I would say before I get too far into this, 
I think that George Lucas did not write anything from movie to movie and is the most improvisational DM I've ever seen. I know he says he wrote it all, but if you look at the story, it's so weird. It's like, it's so strange. It has no continuity. It's like, oh, well, I'm totally going to make out with Leia right now. And then the next movie is like, oh, that's your sister, dude. Like, there's no way thought of that in that movie before i'm sorry you just like when he said oh i've totally written all of the prequels i'm like no you haven't george there's no way you wrote those you didn't write about fighting for the tax code with all these weird racist stereotypes whatever um (laughs) but luke skywalker is very much that thing where it's like okay most player characters in DD or a lot of high fantasy games are people who are what is my call to action why am i leaving the village i live in And then I'm joining something bigger than me. I'm embracing magic, the weave, the force, whatever it is. And this is now a part of who I am based upon usually traumatic events like Aunt Beru and, you know, Uncle Owen burning in, you know, the sands of Tunisia. And then backstory. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a dark backstory right a little bit of a dark backstory it's a moment but if i want to pick a character that i think that is dark but somehow still meshes and is somewhat off the radar i would pick rorschach from the watchmen okay Ooh, yes. um, right. so no superpowers except for some weird mass that somehow magically changes shape between panels right but he's just pretty much a psychopath and he's a dark backstory and he meshes because he hates criminals he hates the idea of this weird corrupt sort of pseudo nixonish 80s society in america and that works as a character but he still works with the rest of the team outside of ozymandias who ends up murdering him later right but for the most part everybody is down with rorschach even though he's a psychopath yeah and i think that kind of just like drives home emmy's point too he's a great character because he does have a compelling reason to work with the rest of the group yep so he would yeah. work that incredibly dark backstory you know dark guy works because he's willing to be part of the party yes exactly <laughs> he's still willing to play with others even though he's Kind of, yeah, not necessarily a good person. He's mostly awful. Yeah, he's mostly yeah, awful. Yeah. Random side note: I saw a Rorschach meme recently. The guy's like, Rorschach's pretty much my favorite character, except I hate that his mask is in the face of or in the in the shape of my parents fighting. <laughs> hey. <laughs> now that we've mentioned it, the the ones we've talked about are all featuring prominently loss. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, that's that's a type, but is there another sort of almost like archetype of backstory that doesn't prominently feature feature loss, loss of parent? Like, because I was saying, like, Spider Man lost Uncle Ben, and you know all that kind of stuff. I think that there, I will say on that before I bounce on to anything else, that loss can sometimes feature primarily because it does give you an impetus to change. Something has moved. Something is gone. So I do think it's a thing that we can we can lean on a little bit to a degree. Oh man, I'm having one of those those spotlight effects moments. But I would say, even though I can't necessarily name one off the top of my head at this moment as we're thinking about, I would say that if you haven't lost a person, if you are trying to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to deal with I haven't lost a person or something, there hasn't been a violence that has been done upon my life. Another thing you can consider is I am in a completely different place. Something has forced me, whether or not it's loss, something has forced me to be in an environment that I am unused to. Dorothy in Wizard of Oz. That's a, that, exactly, that I've been just, for whatever reason, 
randomly dropped someplace I am not can be a really great impetus for backstory because then you can even sometimes go a little bit more mundane with some things because one of the major drivers and one of the things that is going to be very interesting for both the storyteller and the other players to interact with is I am not from here. (laughs) I do not know where I am. I have no functional way of surviving in this moment in time. Like Dorothy now has to have everyone tell her where to go. Yeah, that's a great point too, because the only thing interesting about Dorothy is that she's not in Kansas anymore. Other exactly. than that, she's just a she's just a high school kid just yeah. walking around with her. Yeah, dog. she's a high school kid and she's generally compassionate. She is gen what I'd say like would be like, okay, you can do this one tenant. She's generally compassionate. Mm-hmm. But past that point, yeah, no, she's she's the main character. And but then also again, she has to play with others, and people are interested in that because she is compassionate and because she is She's got a dedicated thing she is trying to do, which in this instance is to go home. But you could also play it on, uh, I didn't want to leave and I've left something behind on accident or I, screw it, I didn't like where I came from anymore, but now how do I eat? There's so many different ways that you could weave that kind of a backstory in. I do think Dorothy is probably, I, I really like that example, actually. Yeah. That's that's a solid example of, yeah, I'm just I'm just here. I don't, yeah. and that can and be very interesting. And it also gives you the too. through line, too. Yeah, it gives you the through line because it's like, I want to go home. Mm-hmm. The whole story is I want to go home. I want to go home. Yeah. I don't well, belong here. I need to go home. I think that Dorothy, though, does have a tragic backstory that she loses her family and then murders a random person that she doesn't know if they're a witch, right? And then she's like, oh, my God, how do I get out of this nightmare place where there's just small people, the weird stuff happening, right? But I think, honestly, the scariest players are people that don't have loss. And you know who that person is? A wizard, okay? This is a person who says... I've been a librarian for 350 years, and now I want to see what it's like to burn humanoids with a molten ball of fire. That's what I want to see. <laughs> they, have, they have they have no they have no other need besides that. There's no I lost my parents. It's like I'm just gonna go out on the road and see what my magic does. Let's just oh Mor- yeah, morbid weird. curiosity. Yeah. This is just purely academic. That's right. That's what a a wizard should be doing is taking notes. Oh, wow. He really burned really weird on that one. He screamed a little bit. (laughs) Poison spray does dissolve bones. Now we know. (laughs) I love it. Well, that's all the questions I have for you guys. Anything else that we haven't covered that you want to bring up in regards to character creation? I think we've, we've definitely talked about the pitfalls. We've definitely talked about some, you know, ideas for how to do it more collaboratively and and i was again ready for you all to say don't go too dark but i think especially the batman idea is like okay batman can be as corny as ever but it's still the same tragic backstory mm-hmm. yeah yeah i yeah. i would give a piece of advice for any player who's either making a character for the first time or the 27th time make the backstory first do not sit down and build out the little stat sheet about whether this person is a long sword or what they hit with. Make the backstory first, because 
then you'll know how you should build this and why you should build it this way. You know, like one of the things that I hate is when people, I know you've heard about my fun love of min-maxers, right? But to me, when I pick a background, I want to pick a background that matches my background, right? I'm not just picking an urchin because somehow it gives me some amazing stealth options in the streets or something. I'm picking it because it makes sense for my story. Pick the story, build the character afterwards. Interesting. The best advice I would offer is don't be afraid to stretch. Make something that you think that is is going to be fun, of course. But if you did what I did, which was like I built like five rogues in a row, don't do that to yourself. Really don't. <laughs> don't be afraid to remember that you can stretch a little bit. That if you're like, I don't know if I'd ever enjoy a paladin. You might though. You might though. Think of it, if you're looking at a class or any system agnostic, if you're looking at anything, you're like, I don't know if I would enjoy this. Maybe take a second and think about how you would, because I bet what you make is weird. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Which and you Brian, say is like one of the highest virtues is weird. <laughs> at the very least, it's going to be specific to you. Mm -hmm. Like at some point I remember, like, I remember I built a cleric. I was a very team. I wouldn't enjoy a cleric for years. I was team clerics aren't really necessarily for me. I don't think I would enjoy that style of gameplay. And then uh, I sat down at a table and lots of the other things that I was like, that were kind of in my wheelhouse, they'd already been picked. And I was like, what if I tried this? What would a cleric that would have my kind of stylistic trappings look like? And what I made was kind of weird. It was it was definitely unique and it was more fun to interact with because it felt true to me and it also felt not like it came out of a kit. It felt like it was something that I clearly, and then I had to spend a lot of time sitting with it because it wasn't natural to me. I love that. Aaron, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that now you have two people against one telling you that you should play a paladin. So you should probably get cracking on that. You should do it. It's yeah. great. 100%, 100%. All the spell slots are I start, <laughs> I start this by declaring my annoyance at paladins, and then I become a paladin in the classic character arc right there. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you both for subjecting yourselves to my questioning. I feel uh, a lot more grounded in the process of uh, character creation, the why behind it, and also to not steer away from the darkness. Two weeks in a row now where Brian's learning not to steer away from the darkness. Metal can be good. Dark backstories can be good. <laughs> Amen to that. That's right. All right. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody. Um, and please don't forget to check us out on our Instagram or at our website, infernalschoolhouse.com. Oh, and we sell stuff on Etsy, too. Thanks and for listening, everybody. Yeah, and thank you to Emmy Watkins, a.k.a. Emmy the Odd. You can find her on Twitch. A lot of wonderful good stuff there. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a blast. <laughs>